0: Hello friends and welcome to another edition of Dan and Benny the Ring. I'm Dan Spacio joined as always by the BS Express himself, Benny Scallop. Benny, how you doing, buddy?
1: Well, Dan, if it's going to be another night like uh, last week, I need a lot of coffee. <laughs> yes,
0: you—you—you you, you are not kidding. We have part two of our two-part expo with the Metal Maniac, of course, joining us on the line again, Jeff Miller, Metal Maniac, soon to be Lifetime Achievement Award winner for independent wrestling. there
1: we
0: go, oh, yeah. Go, okay. go for it, Benny. What are you uh, thinking? Uh, so, uh, Jeff, I mean, the, I'm a
1: huge sports fan. You know, many, many rivalries. So back in the day, it was the, the, the Packers and the Cowboys. And being a Yankee fan it's the Yankees and the Red Sox, you have a very long rivalry with Jimmy. Um, how, and you mentioned going to Ottawa's in Germany. How did you keep it fresh night after night? Well, that's the thing. <clears throat> Jimmy had
2: so much. He could pull out five minutes, a 12-minute match. A 20 minute match an hour match. So you, so mind you, now I'm following him, you know, it was only later on in 2001 where I, I mean, actually it started in 98, but by 2001, I was extremely polished by then in 1998, I could call a match, whatever he wanted to do, you know, he would just say, okay, kid, you know what you want to do? Yeah. Meaning, you know what I want to do? (laughs) And I'd say, yeah, because I I knew what he was having me call, but he didn't tell me at this point. I just decided on whatever it is. He goes, look, I, I don't want you to go out there thinking you're doing something that I told you to do. I want you to go out there, lead the match and it comes out the way it comes out. So just know, if it's really good, it's thanks to me. And if it's really bad, it's because of you. <laughs> and now you have to float the boat. So if someone says to me, oh, Jimmy, that was a great match, I'm going to say, yeah, you called. it." And he was doing that. He was telling Tito, bruh, that match, he called the whole thing. He called it all. And Don Morocco used to knock me. Still, still to this day, he'll say, "Oh, he just taught you how to be a monkey. You know, the monkey would do do be do be do be do be do He says, "That's what you are. You're the monkey, the monkey grinder. That's all." He says, you didn't know you're not teach you anything, but that's not true because he was teaching me how because I worked with Greg. I worked with." Tito worked with Tony, I worked with all these guys and we're like so happy that somebody else was calling it. And I was doing it all. I was doing all of the, the, uh, 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 what do you call it? The stuff they don't do today. You know, you know, it was all character and it was all psychology. That's all I was doing. And those guys knew when they were looking at someone doing psychology, it wasn't that they were wrestling great, that they knew psychology. So they would just let me go. Let me do it. Look, at one night I was working with the barbarian on a show that was so packed. Him and I were in the first. If you could imagine how packed the show was, and I'm the only no name and everybody else is packed on the card. So to put Barb, on the first match man you better have a heavy top of the card to put barb in first match and i went out there with barb and they popped as a baby face i told him he was gonna pop as a baby face and he 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 sold like for me i have never seen a barbarian off his feet like that ever I've seen him a little bit off his feet for Hulk Hogan. I've seen him a little bit off his feet for Jimmy Snuggler. But i never seen him off his feet like that ever for anybody. And he did it for me as a baby face. You can imagine the Barbarian as a baby face. (laughs) How much they really must have hated me. That was in Maryland Championship Wrestling, MCW. That's... that's, uh, you know the uh, corporal punishment and um, Dennis Whipwreck, You know. Yep.
0: <clears throat> so well. Oh, I'm sorry. I th- Go ahead. Oh, go ahead. I was going to say uh, something else. You know, obviously, you really can't talk with what you to you really at all without obviously going into the snooker and your your time. But but so, another thing that you have a reputation for is your your. I guess for lack of a better term, you're pitching when you would, when you would be involved in shows. And I I don't know if this was something you were tied in with Snuka, but you were out there drumming up the interest and doing the talking points and, and selling, I mean, maybe not selling tickets personally, but you, you would get involved. And even maybe you mentioned, you know, unfortunately being a, you, you called yourself the only no name on the card, but you were still a reason that there were people there. And I was kind of wondering that really seems to be a lost art uh, among a lot of wrestlers today, where where they get booked and they just kind of show up and do their thing, and they they don't really do much, maybe outside of a tweet saying, "Hey, I'm going to be on this show." And, yeah. and I was wondering if you could kind of to talk a little bit about that, like what goes into well, drumming up interest for a, a show like that.
2: Well, see, this is what happened.
0: I was
2: working for Jimmy, so that was my job. And if you looked at it as a whole. During the week, we'd be off, we'd be working out, and then on the weekend, we would go to shows. Now, mind you, if it was a show that was, like, five hours away, I couldn't do anything. That's not that was that's not what I was there for. But if, let's say, for example, uh, we're working in New Jersey for the next eight weeks, and there's a show in nine weeks right here that we're on. Okay, so I'll call that promoter. And it's a big house, not a small house, not a little shitty show. Back then, the Indies were hot, and they were mm-hmm. big. And then you know Dennis, uh, Dennis Corluzo, when he ran a Chopa, bro, bro, seriously, he put nine hundred people in, in, into a, a, a building that should have had six hundred. All right, so it was really packed. And I mean, I remember doing these giant uh, colleges where you know, I mean, or 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 no, how about how about the New Jersey? Um, uh, convention center. Okay. Massive place. All right. So let's say one of our friends, Gino Caruso, he ran shows. All right. So this is what I would do. And this is how I made extra money. The way I would do it is I would go in and, and instead of being a ticket seller, like they have people now who work for free, who sell tickets, who get paid by how many tickets they, they sell. Okay, well, that's not what I was doing. I've been called that by guys who are very lofty. But really, that's not what I was doing. What I did was is I would go into a town. I did it for uh, Alpha and the Wild Simons Trading Center and and WXW. I did it for USA Pro Wrestling. I did it for a bunch of companies that would say, hey, why don't you come do it for me? I was invited to do it by Alpha uh, for WXW for a while. And what I did was is I would go to the town. I would set up ticket outlets and I'd tell them, listen, I'm going to give you free tickets to the show. I'm going to take care of your family. You want to meet the people, whatever. I'll take you in the back. You can meet Rikishi. You can meet the Undertaker. You can meet these people, but I need you to sell tickets. And so I'd set up, let's say 10 ticket outlets. And then so would the company. Whoever they were selling them from, I don't know. It didn't matter to me. I was setting those up. Then what I would do is I would go to every single business in the town. And I had to deal with the promoter. You eat your expenses. I'll eat my expenses. And we will produce a program book, whatever the program book costs. That's an expense. We we will split that expense. So whatever the expenses were, if I had gas that was 50 bucks, we'd split the gas, we'd split everything 50, 50. And I would pretty much be laying out my gas first. And I would go to every business and I would say, listen, put an ad in the program book. It's 25, uh, 25 or 50 or a hundred dollars or if you want the cover that's a $500 package and as i got better at it and the shows were getting bigger and bigger and bigger i was able to ask for more because i was able to say listen you want to set up a table it's $350 for the day we expect 2000 people this is what we've had or these are our numbers for the last 6 months at this place and so uh, they say show 3600 2700 uh, 4600 different you know, so I said, this is the kind of outfit this company is. And so you know, go in the program book because remember the program book is like a uh, a big thick yellow pages. Back then everybody had a yellow pages. today you got Google, but back then everybody had a yellow pages that would hang around the house. I go, that's what this is. This is gonna hang around the house for a while because you got pictures of the wrestlers, you got signatures and, You've got all these ads in there. So we'd be on the cover. And so then I would make, I would make up sponsorships. My girl would type it all out like professional on beautiful paper. And I would go and I would bring in money. So now we, at the end, we would tally up our expenses, what it costs to do the program book. Sometimes I'd get the program book done for free. Sometimes, like, I would do extra stuff. Like, for example, I would say the Yokozuna Benefit Memorial. I think it was the first or the second one. It was in Allentown. I forget which one it was. And I got the building for free. I got the chairs for free. And I got a tent with heat and chairs for the boys because there was no locker room. And And The Undertaker was on that show. Bradshaw and, uh, and, uh, oh, damn, uh, what's his name? And, and, right. Ron and, uh, right. And, and Kishi was on that show. And everybody else, you know, Rosie was there, but not as Rosie. He, he hadn't been on the TV yet, Matthew. So, uh, that's, uh, uh, uh Reigns' brother, um, you know, Seeker's other son. So big, massive, massive. Used to play for the, uh, the, the Cowboys and hurt his knee. Um, Yeah, so, like I said, and I would hang banners. I'd go to the promoters, pick up the banners. Now, I made a deal with the banner company. Hey, can you give me a banner if I give you 10 banners? Because I got, like, 20 orders. So, I want want two. So, I got two different kinds of Metal Maniac ones, you know, or I get one for Jimmy and one for me, you know, and banners made, you know. And the guy said, well, if you get me 10 banners, I'll make you one. So, I said, well, I got 20 lined up already. I said, make one for Jimmy. <laughs> so we tape them up on the wall, you know, and then I'd be do- I'd be doing as this back when Polaroids were a big hit, you know, eight by tens, Polaroids. That's what was happening. Five bucks a Polaroid, five bucks eight by ten, fifteen dollars for a shirt, but get it all for twenty. So that's what we were doing, just shirt, shirt, picture sign, shirt, picture sign every weekend. So I was able to bring people in. I was able to bring in money. So the promoter would say, well, my number for this show was 5,000. Jeff brought in 12 and it cost us a thousand to make. So there's, you know, 11,000 in profit left. And so we'd split it. And so I was making money like that. Now, mind you, people thought I was just doing ticket sales, but they didn't see what I was really doing. Now, the one guy who did see it, who actually forgot that he saw it, was uh, uh, Jim Cornette. Because Jim Cornette was at a Dennis Corluzo show. He didn't know that I'm the one who set up all those tables all the way around the building and all those those. Uh, banners and the banners on the ring That was really expensive That was a thousand dollars You'd pay to put your ring uh, On each side of the ring you know, Or three thousand for the whole ring Because you had four sides to the ring You know Or if you wanted to be, you, know, to, you know Whatever you wanted You wanted your name on the On the poles We put your name on the poles You know what I mean I had a guy who would make that up You know what I'm saying So it was great It was great And so when he He, he saw it and he said to me, "Listen, you know, I'm gonna put you over, over somebody." I said, "No, don't do that. It's gonna ruin the show." I said, "People want to see me get beat. I get my heat. I can get beat up every night, and I still, they, there's, I leave the guy laying, and I, I'm still over. Don't, you know, let let the guy go over. Don't worry about it." And he looked at me like, "Really?" I'm like, "Yeah." I just, hmm. <laughs> that's cool. I wish everybody was like that. That was a big compliment from him, but. He was, I think he mentioned me, I don't know, a couple of months ago about, oh, ticket sellers. But really, that's not what I was doing. But if you were from the outside looking in, you wouldn't see anything else. But you would. You just thought it was the promoter's work. And that's what I was doing. The promoter's work. But I was getting paid. But I was paying myself. You know, so their nut was covered.
0: Right, a lot of a lot. It sounds like a lot of wheeling and dealing, more than like boots to the ground. That that's that's a kind of a neat way to look at it. Well, you know,
2: you're you. Well, you you have an ad book. You know, you have advertising. You have product. Let's say at, at the convention center, I brought in everything from people who sold organic doggy treats to people who sold leather jackets. Uh, I went and, and got a hold of uh, Orange County Choppers, and I said, "Hey, why don't you, you know, come down, do a thing, sell shirts, you know?" So they sent somebody down to sell shirts at this place, and they paid for the spot, five hundred bucks, you know, for for the amount of space that they wanted. They wanted mm-hmm. like three spaces. They didn't want one space. They wanted three spaces. So I gave them a break. I said, "They're usually two fifty a piece, but I'll give you two fifty break. Just give me five hundred for the space." He said, "Okay," and I met the father and wrote me wrote wrote, wrote a check to uh, whatever the company was that we were doing. I think it was uh, I think that was um, uh, what do you call that uh, 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 East Coast Professional ECPW. You know uh, that's that's Gino Caruso. So you know, I mean that that's really it's not wheeling and dealing. It's you're doing sales, everything. And then the ticket outlets were ju- now. I never got. A dime from the that's one thing I never got a dime because it didn't cost much to go in there and just ask somebody to sell tickets and give them the tickets and pick it up the day before the show you know what I mean it really because I had to be there anyway to get banners I had to be there anyway so why not stop at the local pizzeria which is where I would go and I and I would get I would say Dennis look we need Of of 5,000 flyers. So I made a deal with the flyer company to do the setup and everything and advertise in the book and give them the inside rear cover, you know, outside rear cover. And then what I would do is I'd go to the pizza, pizza hut, and I'd say, Listen, I know pizza hut's doing like five, six, eight thousand pizzas a week. Okay. And if it's right in the town's area, I would say, Listen, do me a favor, please. Can we make a deal? I put your logo on it and you stick it on your boxes. Sure. And for for four weeks, actually 21 days, that's the number. That's proper advertising 101, which is 21 days prior. That's when you do it. Otherwise, the people fall asleep too far in advance. They fall asleep. So 21 yes. days prior. And so you're figuring. 10,000 pizzas a week are going out. 20,000 pizzas a week. What about if I did four Pizza Hut locations? Now you're talking 40,000 flyers a week were getting put out. And the flyer company was fine because they had their logo on the bottom too. And don't forget, there's announcements. And ladies and gentlemen, this match is sponsored by, you know, Joe Blows, you know. Joe Blow's Pizza and, and and something printing and blah 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 and this and that. Go see them and blah blah blah. And they're there at the show. There they are. Stand up, dummy. Yay, there you are. And you know, see? And then that, that's how I got it going. And that's how I made money. I mean, otherwise, cause what? The promoters would pay me. Look, I was with Jimmy. Some would pay me hundred and fifty. Some would pay me two fifty, depending on how far I was driving. You know, if I was going to anywhere else. It was a different story. If I was going on an overseas trip, Jimmy would make sure I got eighteen hundred a week, two thousand a week. But nice. Jimmy would say, Hey, listen, this is my money and make sure the kid gets so if I, if Jimmy was making two thousand uh, you know, I'll say ten grand a week, he, he, Jimmy would say, Make sure the kid gets five. So it's fifteen for both of us. So, you know, so there was things like that that happened, too, that I was able to make money. But more often than not, when you're in the independence, I loved what was I going to do? Just work out with Jimmy and sit home. We'd get up in the morning and then work out. And then what? Well, he didn't couldn't go anywhere because he was freaking famous. He couldn't go to a diner. I used to have to, like, disguise him to take him to the diner disguise him like i don't know give him some sort of like goofy little hat and some other glasses and put his hair up and you know and people and he didn't care about the goofy hats nobody would recognize him and we'd go and we we'd eat dinner at at, at a at a at a a diner because people would freak out He couldn't go nowhere couldn't go he wanted to go to the van helen concert I'm going with my friends. He goes. I, I, I go, bro. You can't go. He goes. Why not? I go, bro. You're going to a fucking concert where everybody in the concert's going to know you're there. What are you crazy? We're gonna do. We're gonna need a security team. We can't just walk you in the building. Ah, no one's gonna really know. I'm like, no one's gonna know you, really. I said you're crazy. But I will say this. When he wanted to go see the Yankees, he had me call up the Yankees. We went. Uh, uh, they uh, we drove in. We were met by the uh, a page in a Yankees, uh, you know, uh, blazer, mm-hmm.
0: and,
2: and he had us park right inside where the team parks inside the building, and had us go up the elevator, and we went to Steinbrenner's box. We met with him. Ba, ba, ba. And Jimmy said, brother, I'd really like to be down on that on that first baseline. And 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 he says, the Steinbrenner says, Really? No problem. He, goes, here. And he tells Jimmy, Jimmy, have something to eat and then go down. Jimmy says, like, let me have a couple of drinks. I'll come back up. I'll, you know, we'll come back up to eat. Okay, no problem. So Jimmy has a couple of belts and then they take us down right to where the dugout is. That's Steinbrenner's box at that front first baseline. And we're sitting right there where I could reach out and touch the top of the Yankee uh, uh, thing. And they say, ladies and gentlemen, tonight we're going to have a a special guest this evening. Friggin' place is packed. Yankee Stadium. They're playing against God knows who. They're sold out. They're sold out. It's a hot night. All right, it's hot. We got beer, we got hot dogs, we got everything. And we're there. And this ladies and gentlemen, uh, take a look at the tight the big tron, the big TV here. There he is, the one and only superfly, Jimmy Slugger. And he gets up and he gives him the fingers, and the place goes nuts. They were so nuts. Here comes the Yankees. They start piling out. Of the dugout, <laughs> and here comes, I think it was the Oakland A's. Here come all the Oakland A's, they're all coming out to meet Jimmy. And Jimmy <laughs> got up. Jimmy got up and shook everybody's hand, you know, and everything there. They're all like, Oh, they're taking pictures. He says, Brother, I'm not going nowhere. I'll come to the locker room after the match. And he's telling them, he's coming to the locker room after the game, but he says, the match. <laughs> OK, and you had everybody. Strawberry was gone already, but yet everybody else was there. Everybody you could think of was there. This is whoever was the big who is the really biggies in the uh, ninety three,
1: ninety four, ninety five. Don, uh, Don Don Mattingly, I think, was. The, yeah.
2: The... Yeah. But all those guys, you know, all those guys, you were some famous guys. Boy, oh boy. and And they all came out. Even that one guy, you know, the pitcher from the Oakland A's, he was still green yet. He had, didn't well, have a mustache. Dennis
1: Eckersley yeah, with the mustache, he was, right?
2: He was there with the mustache. I remember him. Yep. Uh, and uh, I remember, I, I, I don't know what the hell we were doing. I remember it was something to do with a woman, a girl. I was seeing, and I, 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 I had to go to the city early morning, one Sunday morning, and Jimmy's like, brother, man, I'll take a ride with you. I was like, all right. So we had to drop her off. So I drop her off, and there's, like, this little street meat guy there. So I was like, bro, man, come on, let's get some of this. Said, what's that? I said, oh, it's, like, beef. He says, bro, I want it well done, because Jimmy didn't like any red meat. So he well done, like, shoe leather. So we're eating there. <laughs> and all of a sudden, there's cops everywhere. And all of a sudden, there's trucks, and they're setting up all these gates, everything. We're standing there, and "What the like, what's going on here? This is, like, wall street and i'm like what the hell's going on I said, don't you know what's happening today i said no what's happening oh you know it's the um the what's his name uh the the new york uh, rangers they won the the stanley cup you know this is the big parade i said oh oh okay so we're standing there and we're waiting for the girl to come out here comes the bus the, bus, the guys pile out and as the guys pile out they realize there's jimmy and so they're all starting to walk towards jimmy and we're surrounded by like these famous guys. Who's like the most famous Ranger? What's his name?
0: Mark um, Messier. Yeah.
1: Oh. Uh, you know, he was yeah. Mark,
2: Mark Messier.
1: Mess-
2: Jimmy didn't know who he was. But he knew who Jimmy was. And Jimmy gave him the autograph and everything. And you know, then they gave Jimmy a whole bunch of stuff for the range, the Rangers, but Jimmy didn't know. What it was, he had me give it to my friend who's a Rangers fan, and it was all signed by all the guys. He's like, "Bro, what am I?" Gonna, what am I <laughs> That's gonna, awesome. Jimmy's like, "What am I gonna do with this? I don't even know. I can't read it. I don't know what the hell it is." I said, "You know my friend Jimmy Halpin." He goes, "Yeah, just give it to him, brother. He'll love it." So I tell him the story. He goes, "You met him?" He said, "Yeah, bro. I didn't know who he was, but he knew who it <laughs> was." <laughs> and he says, "You got a tenant." That's signed by everybody. I'm like, yeah, it's for you. And he's like, holy shit, there was a jersey and everything. You know, they gave him everything they had. (laughs) (laughs) And Jimmy's walking hands-free, and I'm stuffed with stuff you can't see my face. All right. And everything they had inside that bus, they gave. It was amazing.
0: That's crazy.
2: Good times. But that's what happens when you you go out, you promote you know, like I was saying earlier, you go out, you promote, but I was promoting, but I was earning. I didn't just go to sell tickets. I was there to sell space, advertising, time, you know, places to hang banners, announcements, packages, you know, and then, and they were good packages. I mean, if you wanted to advertise in your local town, you know, you wanted your name, you sponsored it, you know, the local pizzeria, the local, Every, whatever's local 797 of the, the 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 Friars Club, whatever. You know, whatever it was. And and that's what worked. And so I did it for Dennis for a long time. I did it for Alpha at WXW for a long time. And um, I did it for Gino Caruso for a long time. But I, I only did it for... So, and then I did it for... Um, I did it for uh, USA Pro Wrestling for a long time. And at one point, I, 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 the Dapper Dummy... And uh, I call him Dapper Gilligan. And uh, and and what's his name? The guy who passed away from New Jersey. Big fat guy. I forget his name. Um, shameful. I should know that goofy guy's name. But, uh, you know, they did some shows. But really, those guys were, those guys, they really, you know, they'd always try to nickel and dime me. I'm like, wait a minute. I just paid your nut for the entire night, and every every ticket you sold is profit, and every ticket I sold, I don't get a nickel from that. I did that out of the goodness of my heart because you're letting me you're letting me use your show as a way to earn a living for me and make money for you. So I set up the ticket outlets. So, geez, could you you know could you part with a nickel? You know, nickel and diamond me over gas. I'm like, oh yeah, but you know we didn't. Pay- you know, what about half? I go, get the hell out of here. So I stopped working for them guys. But other than that, everybody everybody else that I worked for, they all had their nuts covered. And that's the key element, you know, to promoting is to have your you have, you know, most promoters they 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 just count on, you know, money being there to pay you. But you shouldn't make that phone call to the to the star without the money in already in your envelope in your draw. That's, that's people, a lot of promoters make the mistake is they don't have the money in their top draw when they make the booking. And that's where they get off to a, you know, a problem. But I, you know, that's how how else, how else could you, you can't live on, you can't live on 300 bucks a week. Right. Yeah. Even back then you couldn't, you kind of could, but you couldn't. If I had to pay rent, I would have been screwed. No way. I would have had to have gotten a job during the week. But who wants to hire somebody that's not going to be there that's going to Hawaii every eight weeks? Nobody. You know, so I had to make my own, my own way. You know, and uh, don't forget now, I am the only man on the planet. And I was told this, I, I didn't know this, but I was told this by Vince McMahon himself. In the 1996 Hall of Fame WWE, we were there and Jimmy was taken out of the room to go get some pictures. And I was just sitting there with with Dwayne Johnson eating and and uh, uh, what do you call it? Uh, Vader is to my right. Anybody, from Buddy's a friend of Jimmy Snugg is a friend of mine. I sat down and <clears throat> Dwayne was always kind. I know him since, you know, forever, you know, because his grandmother's Leah at my VM, you know, I, I know him from when he was younger. I had met him a couple of times and, you know, people from Hawaii, they're always respectful. People who are older, it doesn't matter if he's more better experienced. He's kick-ass and I'm not. He's like, and he wasn't the rock yet, but, he, you know, he was in WWF. I wasn't, but he still, you know, was, hey, Unks, how you doing, Uncle? How you doing, man? Give me a hug. Come on, sit down. You know, Peter, it's my, it's my, it's my Uncle Jeff. Oh, hey, how you doing, brother? You work? Yeah. What's your wrestling name? Metal maniac. So I'm going to have to remember that. Friends of Jimmy, friend of Jimmy, friend of mine. Wow. So we're there, and everybody's in tuxedos except for them guys. Them guys are going to work. And, you know, here comes Vince McMahon with Pat Patterson. And I stood up. He says, he grabs my hand. I want to meet the man that was able to get Jimmy Snooker to wear a matching outfit. I was like what do you mean He goes what are you talking about Have you ever seen Jimmy wear anything that matches Like tiger with tiger with tiger I knew there was going to be a tiger Somewhere tonight there was going to be a tiger A lion or something And he walks in with the black headband And the black suit With the black tie and the white shirt With the black buttons And I'm saying Who got him to wear that And Pat Patterson said you see that kid right there he's the one responsible for jimmy he's his man now you know Jimmy <laughs> needed somebody to drive so oh that's Judge jimmy's man friday no problem he comes over and he says he shook my hand and he had the biggest smile on his face he goes i'm serious kid i've tried to get him to wear just the same color boots he goes to japan he tells me he bought brand new boots and he comes back with brand new boots that have got Every color in the spectrum. And Jimmy did it on purpose.
0: <laughs> That's too funny.
2: That's too funny. Ah, I could go on forever, brother, man. I could go on forever and ever. Tell you places and stories and things. Overseas trips. I mean, I could dazzle you and, and frazzle you and put you... And twist you and and you wouldn't know if you were coming or going when I got through it. You'd be like somebody stuffed Shoot. you in a laundry room laundry a laundry thing where you go oh, boom. And you say, Can I come out yet? No, I got lots <laughs> more to Close the door on you. Oh, ba-boom, ba-boom,
0: ba-boom, ba-boom. Jeez. <laughs> I can understand that. Well, we've had you, we've had taken way more of your time than we probably should have. I appreciate it so much. Um, Like you said, we've, we've barely scratched the surface of the stories you can tell. So we'll definitely reach out and have you back on. I've had the chance to talk to you in the past and there's a lot of good stuff. There's a couple of them. I questions. I wish we could have gotten to, we'll definitely have to do a part two, probably a part 17 at this point. Give me one. uh, Give me one. Just give me one question. Okay, I, I got it. I want to hear your version. There's a story I've heard, and I don't even know if it's true. Uh, you got up into full gimmick, makeup, hair, tights, all the, the the whole nine yards, to stand in line and get Carrie Von Eric's autograph. is Is that true, or is that one of those?
2: <laughs> it
0: actually isn't true. What
2: what it was the work. What happened was is I'm down in Texas at the Sportatorium. And I worked with Carrie and Black Bart in, like, a three-way. And they didn't even call it a three-way. It just happened that just organically happened. I don't know. Black Bart said, get your ass in here. And so next thing you know, I'm in the ring with it whatever. So uh, this girl I was with, after the matches, she wanted, to, you know, to see Carrie. So what I did was Carrie was signing autographs. So I-, I grabbed the referee and said, can you take her down? you know, to see Carrie and just tell him it's from me and, you know, okay, fine. Well, (laughs) so I tell, instead of waiting for Carrie just to come up and say, you know, hey, Carrie, could you do this for my girl? You know, I tell uh, 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 one of the guys down there who's friends with Dave Meltzer. So to rib me, he calls up Dave Meltzer and he gives him the scoops on the show. Oh, and by the way, this new kid, the metal maniac, he went down in full gear and waited online to pay five dollars for thing. Make sure you print that, okay? He said, okay, no problem. It's a rib, but just 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 do it. He said, okay, because he didn't know who I was and he didn't know I was with Jimmy or whatever. And did, did I, I think I think it was um I think was one of Hillbilly cousin Luke's friends because he gave me this box and, and it was wrapped in like a, a birthday. Thing and he said, "Make sure you give this to cousin Luke." And it had a bow and everything. So I put it in my bag and I brought it back. Turns out it was a bag of smoke, but I didn't know it was a bag of smoke. I just had it in my bag. This is when you could do that years ago. So, uh, I. So it had to be. It had to be that guy. What the hell is his name? Johnny. Um, Johnny something. So, but like I said, it was a rib, and Johnny told me years later he had called up. And ribbed me So by the time the sheet comes out It's the following month And I'm in ECW And I walk out And Everybody's going, Carrie, Carrie And they all got $5 bills yeah. in ECW And I'm talking You know how those fans
0: are They're rabid. Oh yeah, they're ruthless This is,
2: before, this is still before the, the arena They still were in the bars and I was like, I didn't know what it was about. I had no idea what it was about. If I would have known what it was about until after, I could have used it. And then I did use it. Once I found out, I went to the ring and I'd wear, I'd wear a shirt with a five dollar a, with, with, with a five dollar S on my chest. You know, like, it was like a five dollar bill, but like in, like in, like 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 you know, like a Superman thing. And then this went on for a good six months until they got tired out and then they stopped using, and then they stopped doing it.
1: But as soon as <laughs> I
2: went out there, Jenny said, brother, man, you got a shirt, with a get a $5 bill put on there, like a picture, I'm like, yeah, look, I'm sure I can get that done somewhere. And I had it silkscreened. you know, a $5 bill on, on the front of the shirts. <laughs> I should have sold those fucking shirts. I would have made a fortune.
0: <laughs> That's funny.
2: What a That's rib. Funny. What a rib. Can you imagine? You don't know nothing. You have no idea.
0: <laughs> now, well, as again, um, I mean, th- that's crazy. You know, you hear this stuff, heard that story half a dozen times. The fact that it wasn't true is, is funny. And and the fact that you played off of it is even better. But um, as we wrap up, Benny, any uh, you haven't had a chance to say much, saying any closing thoughts? Well, and this could be a whole nother
1: show. But, you know, listening to Jeff talk about the promoting uh, locally my, my theory is always that wrestling was never supposed to be national wrestling was meant to be local you know back in the day and look at Memphis in the 80s you know every every Monday night at the mid-south Coliseum you got you got close to these guys you got you got connected to them now you know living in Tampa they might be in town once or twice uh, a, a year and just I love the fact that you know the the independent independence, you can do that. You can do that local promotion with, you know, you, you're reaching out to local businesses. And it, it's more on a, uh, you know, one-to-one level. And I, I, I kind of miss that. I think that's that's what wrestling is supposed to be.
2: Yeah, I mean, you know, it, it's, it's true. I mean, you know, like here, you know, it's just, a, it's just one island. The local TV for this island is not connected to the other island. So you need to go over there. And you need to pump the TV for a while and, you know, breed the territory like and then, then go in in advance and start setting things up. And then people would understand. Same thing when we're here. So but but I lived here. So we were doing it here, you know, or like I said, I I I, I knew how to do it from here. So we do it over there and 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 it worked, you know, and then, yeah, I mean, uh, I'd like to see wrestling go back to. It's original, it's original shape. But the problem is now it's all about the moves and it's not about the work. It's all about the moves. And that's not something that is what the guys of like Jimmy's era or the next era, just right after that, which would be me. We don't do that. I mean, we can do it, but we don't because we know. That isn't our business to make them stand up, to make them sit down, to make them cry, to make them laugh, to make them scream, to make them cheer, to make them boo is what we're supposed to do. And you cannot do that with what is developed today. It's it's completely inverted. It's 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 weird. It's it's not it it doesn't draw. Look at their numbers. Mm hmm. And, and you realize at one point, you know, when does Fox, when do all these companies say, you know, enough is enough already. It's, it's it, you're beating a dead horse. There's not one. You could put a hundred zillion dollars into this and you're still going to get a nickel back. You're just yep. not going to get any more because it, it's just not going to happen. And then when COVID hit, uh, that's that it's over. And, and you know what? Some things what goes up must go down. And what goes down must go up. And I'm hoping that somehow or another that this this could be a, a, a way to reset the business so then people will, you know, they will try to look at wrestling differently. Because you an independent show, you're going to see some psychology. Yeah, you're going to see moves. But yeah, you're going to see some psychology. If I was working, that's all you'd see. It's all you'd see. I would get my heat. I'd get my ass kicked and do one big move off the top. Bingo. Roll me up. One, two, three. Guy gets his hand raised. Everybody's happy. I steal the show and everybody's looking at each other. What are we going to do? I went, well, you better figure it out. I'm not saying I'm great. I'm just saying I know how to do psychology. And if you use it, you will lose against it. You can't go against it. And, you know. That's why when I came up in 2017 and worked that one year, from 2017, 2018, I wanted to work with a bunch of these guys that were local in New Jersey area who I thought had great gimmicks. I was like, man, I'd love to work with that. So I came up for a year and, and, and worked with all these young kids. And those same young kids stay in touch with me. Why can't I have matches like that with other people? I said, because they don't know. Now you know teach somebody else what i taught you and then make them do what i was doing or you do what i was doing and make them do what you were doing make it keep going pass the torch but
0: okay said, can't, can't, step- can't argue with that if there's one thing that's missed that's gone from most wrestling today it's the in-ring psychology but jeff i can't again i can't thank you enough you've given us more than more time than we probably deserved uh, and especially, I mean, you, you were running. I know you, you said you have a, a busy day ahead of you. Calling from Hawaii, here, you know. Hopefully, the weather the weather holds out. You showed us before, and uh, I just can't. I can't good. thank you enough for your time. And again, everybody uh, out here's, there, you've got. Here's, go ahead. There's the trees. You see the oh, trees. Very nice. Very nice. That,
2: that's the back of Costco. Wow. can imagine, <laughs> imagine what the rest of this place looks like.
0: There you go. And and obviously, you said you got, uh, you'll be up in the Northeast again, coming up on the 7th, and a well-deserved Lifetime Award, and still plenty more out there. Anybody can check you out on YouTube. A lot of your uh, matches with Snuka are on there, and some yeah. real classic yeah. ones. Yeah,
2: don't Google it. Just go right to YouTube and dial yeah. this in. No caps, no spaces, just 808. That's the area code for Hawaii, 808 metal maniac, but one word, no caps, no spaces, don't, don't press whatever pops up. Just keep typing and hit search. And then those videos that pop up there under that 808 metal maniac category, those are ones that f- friends of mine posted that I gave them because I don't I don't mess around with the internet. I I don't sell anything on the on the internet. But I have a Facebook page. That's uh, the the Metal Maniac fan page. They can go there, uh, but there's no tagging. There's nothing uh, negative. There's an administrator there that will cut you off if you, you know, do anything. Right. Simple, you know what I'm saying? But if you're legit and you're a real person, not a bot, whatever, they'll they'll put you right on there. And then you can see stuff that I'm talking about. Different pictures, different matches are on there. And that's a good way to see the, the ones I really love. There's a match on there that's not on YouTube. Me against Buff. That's on the 808 Metal. That's on. Uh, it's called uh, the Metal Maniac fan page. There's with me and Buff when he was jacked and we had a great match and he didn't even want to work with me. I I, he, he, I flew up to work with him. He goes, Hey bro, I'm gonna work with this kid. I go bro, I flew up from Hawaii. Snooker trained me. You're not gonna do nothing. You're not gonna break a sweat. And uh, we're gonna be in the shower in t- in, in ten minutes. He goes, Oh. Oh, okay. And when we went out there, I called the whole thing. I, I, I think uh, we both did an arm drag. I called one spot. The rest he sold. I went off the top. He schoolboyed me. I told every spot that we did. I told the referee to tell him, and I, I was just walking around doing my shtick. And he came in the back. He goes, brother, man, thanks a lot. He goes, an excellent communication. I love when people use the referee. That was great.
0: Thanks. So- <laughs> Very nice. Nice. <laughs> And there you have it, 808 Metal Maniac, one word on YouTube for a lot of good classic indie wrestling and, more importantly, a good lesson on in-ring psychology. And don't forget Jeff. the Metal
2: Maniac fan page on Facebook.
0: Metal Maniac fan page on Facebook. You heard it here first. Jeff, thank you so much for all your time. And, we'll, like I said, Benny will reach out to you, uh, one of us uh, afterwards, and we'll uh, definitely try and have you back on because there's a lot more story to tell. So thank you so much for all your time. Have yourself a good evening, sir.
2: Ladies and gentlemen, it's the Metal Maniac signing off from the middle of the Pacific Ocean with Dummy and Dummy on their radio network. It's the the (laughs) Worldwide Dummy Network. And uh, they're going to call me at some other time. It'll take them another two years to get back to me, but that's another (laughs) So in the meantime, have a good day and aloha. And it was your pleasure, the Metal Maniac.
1: What can you do, Benny? wow
0: <laughs> that could have been I, I, an
1: 18 hour episode
0: i don't i don't think i mean we've had uh uh boogie on and and he's uh he's cut some promos and we've definitely had some people uh cut some promos on us i don't think i've we've ever been healed on before that that's a nice change right
1: and i and think so. i had
0: thir- 13
1: questions i think i asked two
0: <laughs> well i mean we were uh Uh, We're about 45 minutes into the show. It's still on question one when he called us out for not asking any more questions. But if there's one thing and and he said it, and I respect him for it, is, I mean, that was off the cuff. Name any wrestler today under the age of 35 that you think can talk for two straight hours without a prompter or a script. And and not for anything, what he was describing,
1: besides the promotion part of it, just the way he that you know he could work with somebody like uh, the barbarian and call it in the ring and and the psychology. I mean, that's that's a lost word these days. And that's what that's what got me to watch the matches. You just don't see that anymore.
0: No, you're absolutely right. And it's more impressive when you think about, you know, that stretch he had with Jimmy Snuka on and off the indies. I mean, that was uh, the better part of a decade. And I mean, to think that you're you're not having the same match every night. And you're having to adapt your style as Snuka got older and started, you know, a little I don't want to say a little slower. But you you get my meaning that that you he wasn't the same Jimmy Snuka from 1991 when they were wrestling in 2000 and to, to be able to do that. And then he talked about people like like the Barbarian and Buff Bagwell and some of the the, the guys he worked with in Europe, like Dave Taylor and Finley. And and these are I mean, these are just bruiser styles to be able to adapt to that is impressive. And I, I I'm glad that he's getting a, a, a lifetime achievement award because he's one of those names that he, you know, when you spend your entire career as a heel, you you tend to have a worse reputation than you deserve anyway. But I don't think he gets enough credit for being really a staple in what we would call indie wrestling for more than 20 years definitely a well-deserved award hell of a show Benny part two in the books what do you think
1: man oh man I mean usually the sequel is not as good as the original but that was the so tonight it definitely was uh,
0: To to think and this is a two-part two nights two weeks Two hours of, of interview and we still barely scratch the surface of the stories Jeff has Jeff can tell us.
1: It'll be like Rocky. One day there'd be a Rocky forty seven where Rocky and Apollo Creed fight each other in walkers. You know, uh, well we'll have Metal Maniacs, you know, episode 72.
0: Well, you know, they it's funny you mentioned Rocky, because remember now they're they're getting ready to do Creed three. So it got to the point where they had to just stop Rocky and bring in the next generation. So maybe one day uh, uh our kids can finish this interview. Absolutely. (laughs) Well, again, folks, thanks so much for joining us. Don't forget to like and share. Find us on Facebook, Dan and Betty in the Ring. For the BS Express himself, Benny Scala, I'm Dan Spastiano, and we will see you next time we're in the ring.
1: Good night, folks.